0: Hello and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by guest speaker Phil Ware as part of our Mission focused Celebration Sunday. Let's let's see if everything is working properly and then I'm going to do some emotional stuff and then I think I'll do something a little before the emotional stuff. It is precious to be here today. It is precious. Uh, that's not a word you throw around lightly, but uh, Andy is a dear friend. We've done stuff together in, in three different places on different continents than this one. And I love him dearly. We were in Asia together. We were in uh, yeah. Europe together. And we were in Africa together doing missions renewals. And uh, there are a few who are younger than I am that I admire as heroes. And Andy is one of them. And you blessed the world by raising him to be a man of God. So thank you. And uh, oh, my goodness, that Kenna song. That doesn't put a tear in your eye. I don't know what will. Isn't, isn't that precious? That is precious. But I, I also need to do a little brotherly carefrontation with your preacher. Uh, he, he is a wonderful, sweet guy, and we had a very great evening last night. Uh, With the McGees and the Babers and the Holsberys, but brother, just remember when you tell the congregation from the pulpit that you iron your own shirts and embarrass your wife, (laughs) she washes your whitey tidies and may put a little extra starch in them next week. (laughs) I can say that because I feel at home here. It, It it's just been sweet. The singing has been great, uh, and if if you're if you're close to Andy and you've been a part of the praying for Hindus during Diwali that Andy's led the brotherhood in over the last ten days, uh, you know how important a song we sang was today. We shall have no other gods before you. Uh It's not hard for Hindus to stick a cross on their mantle full of gods and goddesses and let Jesus be one of the gods and goddesses. But a true Christian believer knows that those gods and goddesses are really demonic powers. And uh, they do evil miracles and curses. Except when somebody is joined with Jesus in baptism, they don't work anymore against you. And uh, I got to know a lot about Hindus, and this is one of the reasons I feel so at home this morning. I heard the praise team practicing that song. And when we were in, uh, in Abilene, we were blessed because of the work of one widow to, just, to show kindness we were blessed to lead 153 Hindu Bhutanese refugees to Jesus over two and a half years. But it took 13 or 14 months for them to get to the point, and we had two young men that would say, they're ready, they're ready to throw away all their gods and goddesses and say, we shall have no other god before you, only Jesus. And so that's what we're here today about, is to celebrate some of that. We're here to remember, but not just remember to awaken, to remind ourselves of who we are and what God has done for us, but also to remind ourselves that there's something essential that he's called us to do as his people. And so I want to try to mix some things that are deeply emotional to me because they happen during the course of preparing this message, but also something rooted in Scripture. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Acts 1. And uh, a church that sings this well in the great a cappella heritage of churches of Christ ought to be able to know where to turn to find out how to do missions. And that's not a textbook. That's Acts. And really, the explosion that is going on in the world today is happening not because of great missiological books, but it's because we've seriously returned to the book of Acts across a lot of different religious groups in Christianity and begun, as we prayed earlier, to pray for a person of peace and to be led to that person of peace. And then to begin by focusing on Jesus, 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 Jesus. And as we focus on Jesus with that person of peace, we have two or three come to Christ and then say, you're now a church where two or three are gathered together. The, The power of the living, resurrected Jesus is with you, and you begin to grow a community of faith. And that's what's going on all over the world, and you're participating in that in several different ways. Well, it all begins with Acts 1. Acts 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began. If you mark in your Bible or you highlight in your digital Bible, began is a key word. Because Jesus wasn't through when he ascended into heaven. I wrote to you all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, when in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, Ah, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Today, I'm going to see if... Uh, there we go. I'm going to ask you a question. And then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you a second question. As we pray, I want you to think about the first person that you can think of that taught you about Jesus. Think about that person. You have any idea how they came to Christ? You know who influenced them? Let's give thanks. Father in heaven, we come to you today, we praise you, we honor you, and we recognize that more than the praise of our voices and our songs, you're looking for the praise in our lives. That everything we do and say is done to the honor and glory of Jesus, your son, and we want our lives to proclaim that saving Jesus to those around us. We thank you for the people who first talked to us about Jesus. Who showed us Jesus by their way of life. And we ask that one day in the future when someone asks this same question. They'll be able to say we were the one. And we can anticipate together sharing in the glory of your presence. At that great wedding feast that Andy talked about in communion. We give you all honor and glory and praise And thank you for Jesus, and in his name and through the intercession of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. How many of you can skip rocks? Anybody? You know, we okay. Some are honest and say, I can't. Or else they don't like to raise their hands in church. That's okay. (laughs) We'll go either way with that. (laughs) So, I was thinking of this image of skipping rocks because of the theme of the verse we just read. And I got to thinking about who taught me to skip rocks and where. This picture is a picture of my family when I'm 11. The guy at the top is Ron Rose. He uh, was our adopted son, my adopted older brother, not officially but when he was at ACU and hung around us a lot. And we're in Austin, and my grandmother took this picture. And uh, as you can see, I had misbehaved a little bit, and my mom said something to me, and it cracked everybody up nearby. My mom is looking at me, and she's basically going to say, I'm going to get you when this picture is taken. <laughs> uh, I, I thought I was a really good kid, and my wife, who's a school teacher, said, Phil, uh, really good kids don't go to the principal's office three times in elementary school. (laughs) So I look back at some of these pictures and I'm reminded of some of that. But what took my breath away is my daddy on the left. Handsome, strong, godly, influencing another guy who's influenced thousands for Jesus. And four years later, this guy that was on a track scholarship at Abilene Christian in the heyday of Abilene Track and Field couldn't walk across the den floor without pausing to catch his breath. And over 10 and a half years, he slowly died of a lung disease. And that's not how I remembered my daddy. And my kids have never seen their granddaddy look like that. And when I saw that picture, and I was thinking about this image of skipping rocks, I just cried. I couldn't help it. Because I skip rocks like a lot of young kids. I grabbed a bunch and threw them in the water. And then if I saw somebody skip one, I'd throw one And he'd go, and sometimes make a skip, but most of the time not. And so we were at my grandparents' house in Dallas, Texas. And we were driving my grandmother crazy. And my dad took me to White Rock Lake just to walk around. And it was a cool morning. And he taught me how to skip rocks. And I still remember being chilly, not being able to do very good at skipping rocks, and he helped me find a rock. And if you want to know, you want to find a rock that's a little concave where you can put your thumb, mostly flat on the bottom with rounded edges. And he helped me pick the rock. I still couldn't skip it very well. And he bent down, and he put his arm around me and grabbed my hand and showed me how to throw it sideways. With that reverse spin. And all of a sudden I could skip rocks. You remember how you learned to skip rocks? And this picture gave me back. My daddy for a minute. I got to skip rocks with my dad. Because I could remember and reawakened me. To the reality of a gift that he had given me. And it was precious. Well, today, I want you to think about skipping rocks with Jesus as a church. I want that to be the image in your mind. Here, near, and far. That's the message of Acts 1-8. Here, near, and far. Skipping rocks with Jesus. And until Jesus comes along and puts his arms around us and shows us how to put a little of that... Slice spin on that stone so when it hits, it jumps left, left, and then right at the end, and you get eight or nine skips instead of two or three. We're not very good at this stuff. But Jesus wants us to skip rocks with Him across the world. In every place a rock hits, as it skips, what does it do? You have these little concentric circles that spread out from that touch point, right? And that's the story of the book of Acts. Everywhere the gospel went, it spread from that place, here, near, and far. So today, we want to rejoice. We want to celebrate. We want to praise God, because this church was invited in and said, yes, I want to skip rocks with Jesus. And we're here to celebrate what God has done through you, in missions, and to invite you to skip rocks with Jesus for as long as you live. Because that's the goal. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I still remember 40 years ago when I started talking about this, you didn't mention Holy Spirit in the Church of Christ. A lot of churches of Christ wouldn't let me come speak to them because I talked about the Holy Spirit. But I want to remind you that what happens in Acts 2 is Jesus pours the Holy Spirit out. That's the literal language. You remember that? Have you read Titus 3, 3 through 7 lately? When Bailey was baptized this morning, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus happened again. The distance and time was closed, and the saving event of Jesus' passion happened with her. And Titus 3 says... Jesus poured the Holy Spirit out on her. That power was real in this moment. And we pray with all our hearts she lives into that, just like I pray and your elders pray that you and you as a church live into that. Jesus said in John 14, I think about verse 12, he said, you've seen the things I've done? Well, you're going to do even greater things than these than I have done. And we go, raise the dead, feed 5,000, impossible. Look, I'm no fancy preacher. I'm just cornbread English Phil. And one Sunday in 1995 during communion, the Holy Spirit whispered in my heart, the Holy Spirit dummy. And we launched Heartlight and org. And today and every day this next week, over 300,000 people in 15 languages will read a verse of the Bible and say a prayer and look at a focused thought on how to live for Jesus. I ain't that good, brothers and sisters. I ain't that good. Jesus longs to do greater things than these. And some of the people that have grown up from here have shown you that. One of them led us in communion today. So you'll be my witnesses when power comes upon you. But notice here, near, and far. In Jerusalem, and then grammatically, all Judea and Samaria are connected together. And then the uttermost parts of the world. Here, near, and far. And you open up the book of Acts. In the first six or seven chapters are about in Jerusalem. And then you look at Acts 8 through 13. It's about Judea, Samaria, and the surrounding areas. And you get to Acts 13 and the church in Antioch. It's the whole world. It just blows up everywhere. So much so that in Thessalonica they say, these guys that have come here have turned the whole world upside down and they've come here to make a mess of our world by proclaiming Jesus as king. That's what they did. Well, there's a lot of good cornbread human sense in that here, near, and far strategy, don't you think? You look at it, it's balance. If we do this, we can stay in balance as a church. It's not all about us. And it's about inclusion. We sing the song, Jesus loves all the children of the world. Missions practices it, Right. We want people from every language, tribe, nation, and people to gather around the throne of God, and we want to include them. So here and here in Florida does that. And it's also progression. It's a reminder that we're moving. I don't know if I'm going to mess up the the camera, but I'm going to get down here out of the lights where I can see you eyeball to eyeball, and I want to talk to you about something. Anybody ever seen where they launched uh, in Cape Canaveral the rockets into space? Anybody ever been there? Come on, some of you have been there. We got to be there, and in our great, wonderful timing, we got there two days before the launch, which meant the shuttle was on that little creeper just going slow as it could be, and it was almost to the launching pad. The next day, they'd hook it all up and get it ready to shoot into space. But you know what? What? When you go to Mission Control and you go look at all those famous launches before and the ones now by Tesla's crew with SpaceX, when that thing gets hooked up and it starts smoking and it's ready to go, people don't, yay, it's on the launching pad that we can all go home now. But you know, that's what most American churches do. They think church is about this. But this is the launching pad. And here, near, and far talks about progression. Jesus didn't say, invite people to come to church. He said, you go into all the world. You cross the gap. You pass the barriers. You break down the societal differences. And you reach out, and then you invite them to be a part of your life. And you do that. Guess what? You don't have to worry about them coming to the church box with you. Because they've fallen in love in, with your Jesus. So here, near, and far, it makes a lot of great sense strategically. And a lot of us want to know what's the plan. Here's the plan. But there's also a whole set of spiritual necessities that are a part of that. You notice what Jesus says. You will be my witnesses. Kind of like the Holy Spirit, there were 20 or 30 years ago, you didn't talk about being a witness in some of our churches. But you can't do missions without being a witness. You cannot do it. We witness to what Jesus did in in the New Testament days, in the Gospels. We've got that. But the world also wants to know what difference does Jesus make in our lives? So Peter, who was the one that kind of kicked off the whole missions business, you remember what he said to Christians under persecution? He said, always... Always, That doesn't leave much gap, does it? Always be prepared. He doesn't say fly by the seat of your pants. Always be prepared to give anyone who asks the reason for your hope and do this with gentleness and respect. Being a witness, having Jesus at work in our life is a necessity. And you can tell, folks, we know Jesus is at work in our lives because we've seen it and what the Johnsons have done, and some other folks we've sent in the missions field have done, and what Kenna and Bailey did today. Isn't that right? So we can testify to that. A new beginning for a young woman, for a family. It's cool. It is God awesome. So, we can be witnesses. And then we have a mission We don't have to figure out what we're supposed to do. We have a mission to go into the world, here, near, and far. That's the plan. Now, a lot of churches are good at far and don't do anything here. And very few churches do anything near. You go look. They don't. But not you guys. Here. you got your church. you got your ministries. The thing you do to outreach to your community. Yesterday was nuts around here, and I'm not from around here. That's why it was so touching that (laughs) after all the craziness of yesterday, we got to have suffer with people we knew and loved. They made time for us in the middle of this, and and today was coming. And was it homecoming this week too? Because, I mean, we had 64,000 people in our motel last night. And I guarantee you, they didn't come in early enough to go to church because we were near the back door. It was a crazy day, and it's a busy day today. But what you're doing here is not being busy. It's being on mission. And that's really the goal. I got to see one of your services, and I got to see all the folks involved with the campus ministry at Midwestern stand up. Y'all clapped, but you have no clue what a difference that makes during that crucial time of life. That's where most people decide whether or not they're going to live for Jesus or abandon him. It's that crucial time of life of, of deciding what their life trajectory is going to be. And anything you can do to touch them with Jesus, even if they dump him in a few years, A prodigal can't come home to a home he or she has never had. You hear that? So you're giving them a window, a place, a home. But you've also done that near thing, too. And I know that there are some churches that look at you guys side-eyed and go, what's this deal about being involved in the Metroplex? Aren't there enough churches in the Metroplex? Why do you need to be involved in that stuff over there? It's not close to here. And now you got an answer. Jesus said our second skip point was near. Now, it took me a while to realize that TCC was what we, when I went to Bell High School, yeah, I know the Hershey and Wichita Falls folks because we were rivals in those days. Uh, TCC, back in those days, was known as Taco Jocko. <laughs> Tarrant County Junior College. But that's what we called it, Taco Jocko. But to have a ministry outreach there, and UTA, which is huge. Okay, you understand how big Arlington is? Arlington's over a million people. We moved to Arkansas. Okay. And And first of all, if you're from Arkansas, just close your ears. <laughs> we moved to Arkansas because we were told by the governor of Arkansas they were below the the mandatory limit of people with all their teeth. (laughs) So we moved there. And we love Arkansas now. We are some. But in Arkansas, they don't understand why you'd send somebody to Taco Jocko and UTA. But then... When the first time we went to Little Rock, and they said, oh, no, you, you're you're not going during rush hour, are you? And we went there, and we got home, and we go, what were they worried about rush hour? We never got below 45 miles an hour. And then I looked up, and Arlington's a part of Tarrant County, and Tarrant County has more people than the whole state of Arkansas. That's where you're doing mission. You, you get that? The point is, that's where people are, and that's where young people are making decisions. So, thank you for doing what other people would think is crazy, but Jesus says it's mandatory. And I'm going to cl- include the Johnsons in there because they're in Fort Worth, and, but he's never in the United States. You know that, right? But his, his heart is with you. He loves you guys, and he wouldn't be where he is equipping others. And then far, you have folks in one of the most difficult places in the world, but people are coming to Christ like crazy. And you need to know that among the Muslims coming to Christ, they are preparing to send missionaries back to the U.S. because they see how far we've fallen away from being a moral nation. We're sending missionaries so that in 40 years they can send missionaries to us. And then there's Jason and Jen Rawlings in Ontario. So here and here and far. And we do it because it's more blessed to give than receive. Jesus said that, Paul quoted in Acts 20, but most folks don't get that until they start giving. But it is more blessed to give than to receive because... When we do, we're living out the love of God for the world. For God so loved the world, He gave. We celebrated that in communion. Jesus loved us so much, He was not willing to have heaven and protection and security and safety without having us. So He came and took on human flesh and suffered mortality and took the worst of what our world has so that He could save the world. You're participating in that. Second, When you give to bless others, you're sharing with Jesus in his work of redemption. Redeem means to buy back. You're not giving money. You're redeeming lost people from sin, death, and hell. All that noise you heard going in this can, I can't even shake it. It's the full. All that noise is the sound of redemption, people being bought from sin, death, and hell. And then you're partnering with people in this, this work. The people you support, you're partners with. If you go read Philippians, everybody likes Philippians, right? A lot of you'd say, that's my favorite New Testament letter of the book of Philippians. And there's a reason, because it talks about joy. Now, you don't command people to rejoice if everything's hunky-dory, but... Nevertheless, we like it because it talks about being joyous. But also, woven through there, Philippi and Thessalonica were the only two churches we knew that Paul let support him. They were near and dear. He took every opportunity to go through Macedonia. And he told the Philippians that because they gave to him, they were full partners in his work. The people you give to, You're full partners in the places you support. And fourth, it's more blessed to give than to receive because we've sung about it. We heard it in the prayer. We heard Andy mention it. One of these days, we're going to sit down at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And we know from Revelation 7, 9 through 12, that there are going to be folks from every people, language, tribe, and nation. And some of those folks... Will be there because of you. And they're going to come up to you with tears in their eyes. If they could cry. But the tears have been wiped away. And they're going to give you a holy kiss and say. Thanks to your gift. I'm here. And look who I brought with me. Look who I brought with me. I'm old. I'm an old preacher. Okay. Y'all know that. I don't need to pretend like it's not true. it's kind of pretending like I'm not so fat because I wear my shirt tail outside. (laughs) You know, we can't hide anything. So I have an illustration that is old from a movie in 1989 called Field of Dreams. Now, women, you might want to go watch that movie because there have been studies done on why can men cry in this show when they don't cry at anything else? I'm I'm serious. There are psychological studies done on why do men cry in field of dreams. But it's about a boy whose dad pushed him to be good in baseball. But they got at odds and didn't like each other. And all this guy could remember about his dad was he was a broken-down, old, mean dad that he split with. And this guy named Ray Kinsella is an Iowa farmer. And he goes out into his corn, and he hears this stuff. Now, he does hear this stuff. Amen. I appreciate that. And as he's walking in those cornfields, he hears stuff. And if you've walked in ripe cornfields, you hear stuff, don't you? The wind doesn't have to be blowing. It groans and moans and crackles and makes all sorts of noise. And so you go, did I hear that? He did. Build it and they will come. Build it and they will come. And then he meets Shoeless Joe and all these other baseball folks that I won't bore you with other than to say at least the Astros won last night and we'll move on. And he starts meeting all these heroes from the old baseball world and he realizes that if he builds a baseball park in this cornfield, These people that are dead are going to come play baseball again. And everybody looks at him like he's crazy, because he probably is. But his wife stands beside him, and they risk their whole farm, and they build this field, and they have a game. And I won't go into all the details and bore you with all that anymore than I bored you to this point, but I will say this. At the end of the game, everybody starts walking into the cornfield. At the end of the game, people are lining up to come to save his farm and watch these old heroes of the game play. And the catcher takes off his mask, and he realizes it's his dad. And he looks at his wife, and he says, I didn't recognize him at first, because all I knew... Was the broken down mean guy. But here he's young and he's vital. And they have a few words. And he looks at his dad. And he says, dad, you want to have a catch? And my dad. Walked out of the cornfield. And walked up to me with two flat rocks and said, Phil, you want to have a skip? Skip. You think that'd be important? It'd mean the world to me. Can that stuff kind of happen? Can it really happen? Do those kind of miracles happen? Well, I'm not sure about Field of Dreams. But Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're going to go here, near, and far. And guess what? You're going to get to skip rocks with Jesus. It's better than any daddy walking out of a cornfield, seeing his son, and being reunioned again. As precious as that is, Jesus is coming up to us and he's saying, Tenth and broad, you want to have a skip? You want to have a skip? Because I want to teach you how to skip near, here, near, and far. And what we're about to do is your answer to Jesus' invitation. Do you want to have a skip? I already know about your history. I know about your heart as a church. You've revealed so much today by who you are and what we've done. So I know your answer is going to be, yeah, I came prepared. But maybe underneath there's a little more emotion that says, Oh, maybe I'll just top it off a little bit. Because Jesus is asking me, do you want to have a skip? Thank you for listening attentively. And God bless you and thank you for being Jesus' people.